Welcome to our Daily Inspiration Podcast. As Inspire Church is walking through a 30-day rule of life, whether you are participating fully or just listening, we hope you are blessed. God bless you all. Simon Yu here again. I was a former associate pastor at Community Church of Hayward, and I'm a longtime friend of Inspired Church. So far, I hope this Rhythms of Life podcast series has been rewarding and beneficial for all of you. In this episode, I'd like to share my thoughts on the rule of reading. I ask our Lord that this podcast will provide fresh insight and hope that you will be encouraged and edified to embark on the consistent rhythm of reading God's Word. Now, I should have asked Pastor Phil about this before, but my guess is that these rules are not in any particular order, except for the fact that there are four that are inward-focused and other four that are more outward-focused. So all that aside... I believe that the practice of reading, historically speaking, has been perhaps the primary spiritual discipline for the Christian believer. I'd like to understand all the other practices as concentric circles that share the practice of reading at the center. I mean, let's think about it for a moment. If it wasn't reading scripture, how would we have known what the other spiritual disciplines would be? The Gospel of John, in its very beginning, proclaims Christ as the Logos, the Word of God made flesh. In Genesis, God brings reality, our reality, into existence by utterance. We are people of the word. We're not, as Christians, we're not mainly identified based off geographical location or even a temple or a church. We are identified by the incarnate word of God. Generation after generation of Christians have made it their priority to read and study scripture in order to discover more of Christ and learn to live in accordance to what God requires of us. Our value for education is rooted in the idea that everyone should have access to God's word and read it for themselves. Even among all the denominations of Christianity, no matter how different we all may be, one thing that unites us all is the reading of the Bible as essential to our development of faith. So my plan for this episode is to talk about four different ways to read the Bible. They are meditative reading, two, reading for personal devotion, three, an intellectual reading, and four, reading within community. I'm going to utilize Mark 12 verses 30 through 31 as a, as a guide to discuss these readings and I'll be reading it in the New International Version. As before, feel free to pause this episode if you are able to read it in the translation of your choosing. So let's begin. Mark 12, verse 30 
and 31. It reads as this in the New International Version. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm going to connect the four different readings based off how we are supposed to love God from Mark 12. So there's a reading when we read with all our heart. There's a reading when we read with all our soul. There's a reading with when we read with all our mind. And there's a reading when we love our neighbor as ourself. The reason why I omit strength is because I think strength is more of a motive, a drive, uh, a priority, if you will, for all the other types of readings. I want us to understand that the practice of reading should be essential and not simply an afterthought or an extension of who we are. Everyone has essential things in their life that they've committed in doing no matter what, ifs, ands, or buts. If there was a hiccup in your schedule, if there was a an emergency that needs to be taken care of, the essential aspects of your life means that you will reschedule so that you get that thing done, right? An afterthought is like, oh, well, Yes, it may be important, but I can do this some other time or I don't really have to worry about it at right, right now, right? So it's, so an after, afterthought or an extension understanding would be like holiday decorations, Christmas decorating and, uh, Thanksgiving, Easter decorating. Now there's, there's certain times where it's like, oh man, I'm just so busy. I'll take care of it tomorrow. I'll take care of it next week. I'll take care of it next month. I'll just keep keep the decorations for the rest of the year so I don't have to worry about it, right? I don't want reading of scripture, and I'm suggesting and challenging that reading of scripture shouldn't be in the same kind of section of holiday decorating or cleaning up holiday decorating. No, I think and I want to challenge that it's, it must be essential. It must be a priority. And like I said, if your schedule has a hiccup or interruption, you make it, you make it a priority to reschedule to do the reading. So that's what I mean when we should read with all our strength. We make it an essential component of our life and we will do it no matter what, rain or shine. I also want to point out that we need to understand these four readings not as a hierarchy. One is not better than the other. They work in tandem to develop our spiritual devotion, to develop our spiritual discipline. They all work with each other, okay? Each one has their own benefit, but each one also has their own limitation. The reason why each one has their own limitation is so that we utilize all four types of reading. And the reason why I use Mark 12, 30, 31 as a guide is when we understand this passage, we're not saying that the heart is better than the soul 
and the soul is better both the heart and mind and the mind is better for uh is the be- best of all of them right we understand this passage that it's Every aspect of the human being, the heart, the soul, the mind, our physical strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, because that's also a part of our identity, right? We're not just simply individuals. We are also human beings in part of community. That's also our identity. That entire aspect of the human is supposed to love God with everything, right? So that's how I want us to understand these four types of readings. One is not better than the other. They all work with each other. Now, one could be preferred over the other. Definitely. That's, that's a, that's a definite. But the challenge is to also rely on the others in the midst of the preference. Right. So personally, my preference would be the intellectual reading, but I can't negate or neglect the other types of readings because there are benefits that they have that an intellectual reading will not. Okay. So let's begin with the first type of reading that I mentioned, which is meditative reading. Meditative reading is an act of prayer. Recently, I listened to a a lesson in regards to two types of prayers. There's the conforming prayer and the forming prayer. Conforming prayer is meditative reading. And what that means is that the word of God conforms. C-O-N-F-O-R-M-S. The word of God conforms the believer to be more like the incarnate word. One general practice of conforming prayer is praying the Psalms. That we recite the Psalms as an act of prayer. And this type of reading is reading with all of our heart. In the time of Jesus, the heart is the organ that makes moral decisions, excuse me, between right and wrong. It decide, it's the moral compass of the human being. By having the word conform the heart, it shapes the heart to be more receptive to recognizing God's ways. It tills the ground of the heart to produce the good seed. So that the word of God can grow and thrive within the heart. It makes us more aware of what God wants to do with our life. It makes us more open to receive the knowledge of Jesus Christ more and more. And that knowledge would then transform us to be the women and men of God that God called, that God, that He Himself calls us to be. So what is this method of meditating reading, this conforming prayer? As I shared, it's praying the Psalms, but it's also could be praying, praying the passages of, of any other passage in scripture, but also those prayer passages found in the Old Testament and New Testament. But the, one of the key things that ancient traditions share and say over and over again is praying scripture out loud. 
the act of audibly listening when reciting scripture. You know, back in the day, in the times of the apostles and the early church fathers, silent prayer was not really a thing. It was later on during the monastic um, the monastic moments of church history where silent prayer was an act of spiritual exercise and discipline. But in the beginning, it was always prayer out loud. And the reason being is because we have to verbally listen to, to understand and open our heart to Embrace the word of God. There's something about listening out loud rather than just silently reading scripture that really impacts us in ways that we can't possibly imagine. So that's the first tip, praying scripture out loud. The second method is also memorizing scripture. The reason why we memorize scripture is so that we believe that that scripture is embedded within our heart and it conforms us and that when maybe we're discouraged or maybe there's a moment where you in your life experience, it's like, oh yeah, this is what this scripture is talking about. It's in there. It's within the heart already. So memorizing scripture is helpful so that in those moments, maybe you don't have a Bible. Maybe you don't have your phone Bible app that you could constantly recite in memory that scripture so that that is an act of prayer. And I want to end by, by a challenge. Challenge yourself not to seek out meaning of the text when you do it. That's not the point of meditative reading. It's not, it's the idea here is I'm not trying to impose an interpretation on the word itself. I'm just listening to the words as I recite them and believing that I am being conformed to Christ through the reciting. So it's hard because sometimes our knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, what does this mean for me? The whole point is you're laying the foundation within the heart and that foundation is the word of God and that you're building on top of that so that one, you become more like Jesus Christ and two, you'll be more receptive in receiving more knowledge of Christ. So that's meditative reading. The second reading or reading with all our soul is personal devotion. The soul is what makes the individual unique towards the other person. So what makes me different is my soul. That's how, that's how I understand the idea of soul. And personal devotion suggests that we are forming a personal interpretation of the Bible that provides personal impact. Often, as uh, new believers, this is the encouraged way of reading scripture. So we ask new believers, when you read scripture, you ask, well, what does this mean to me? What am I getting out of this, out of this text? The personal connection is vital. 
and so life-giving. For example, Jeremiah 29.11, it reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Man, when we're going through it and we read those words, it's it's like personal devotion reading gives us the faith and trust that God is speaking through the word of God to encourage us directly. So if there's been many times, many times when I relied on the words of Jeremiah 29, 11 specifically, that kept me going in my faith, that helped me continue in the faith. And that's what personal devotion reading is. Now, here's the limitation of personal devotion. Sometimes a personal understanding of the text may not always impact the same way for the other person. There's been, and I, I, I'm smiling right now, but there's been many times where I share a personal interpretation of text to another and it could be just me overthinking it, but then realizing, you know, the other person did not receive it the same way I received it. But that's okay because God used the text to help me understand in my own faith walk and encourage me in my own faith walk. Perhaps, and for me often maybe a lot, <laughs> Um Sometimes a personal understanding of a passage of scripture may not always be edifying or encouraging for another person. And that to say that's special, right? That's special for me and only me. And I receive that wholeheartedly and I accept that. And that gives me the drive to continue on and press forward in my faith walk. The next reading is an intellectual reading of scripture. It's studying the text on the basis of the Bible's historical context and literary style to pursue an understanding of, to pursue a greater understanding of what perhaps the original intention was of the biblical writers. It's an evidence-based reading of God, of God's word. So, we utilize, perhaps we went to school for it. We utilize commentaries. We utilize monos, monographs or particular, we, we utilize archaeology, history. We utilize all these tools to help us better understand what the Bible is trying to say in its historical context and in its literary context. This is essential or this is useful because it provides boundaries for what could or could not be said about scripture. And since it's evidence based and that evidence is offered and provided for everyone, it allows reception to a wider audience. More people could accept uh, what is being said based on an intellectual reading or the studying of scripture in this way. Going back, Jeremiah 29, 11. Historically speaking, it's not a personal address or a personal encouragement from God for me. 
That's not the in- original intention of Jeremiah 29.11. As a matter of fact, the context is beginning in verse 4 of chapter 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And let me continue now to verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The historical context of this passage is the exile, the Babylonian exile that occurred in 586 BC. And the it's the first, it was the first stage of exiles that the kingdom of Babylon and that group was trying to figure out how could, how could God do this to us? It's not a permanent thing. God, God will bring us back and we don't have to worry about it. We just, let's keep our bags packed because we're going to go back to Israel. And what Jeremiah is saying is that's not God's plan for you guys. God's plan is for you to stay and God's plan is for you to live in the place, in that place in Babylon. But don't worry because after 70 years, according to Jeremiah, what's going to happen is there will be a return. And that is God's plan. That that plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. It's the plan to give you a hope and future. Don't think that your destiny ends in Babylon. Your destiny ends in Israel. The personal devotion thinks, oh yeah, this is a direct message to me. But it wasn't. Historically speaking, it was addressed first to the first caravan of exiled people. So that's how we understand the intellectual reading, right? It gives us the boundaries to help us better understand the Bible, to say what can be said and what cannot be said, all right? But here's also a limitation. Too much intellectual reading can miss the mark. There's so many, quote unquote, smart people writing commentaries and all these things. And and for me personally, sometimes... It seems like they want to present their own opinion rather being faithful to what scripture says. I remember a student when I used to teach in Bible college, I remember a student broke down and cried to me. And this this student was an avid studier, read all the commentaries, wanted to be excellent in that kind of reading but they broke down to me and says, you know, with all this study, I don't even recognize God's voice anymore. And that broke my heart. And that is the danger of reading scripture too, too much in the intellectual sphere. Sometimes all that study makes us lose 
the real reason why we did the study to begin with, which is to make us more like Jesus Christ and to understand fully what the Bible is saying so that we can be edified and become more like Jesus Christ. So there is a limitation to intellectual reading in that way. I want to, before I go into reading within community, I want us to understand though that there, there needs to be harmony of all these kinds of reading and that the greatest, the, the greatest strategy is the harmony between personal devotion and intellectual reading. So again, Jeremiah 29 11, my personal devotion reading of that is that God is speaking directly towards me, right? But then my intellectual reading says, no, this was initially for the people of Israel during the time of exile. And so how do we harmonize that? Well, the harmony is by understanding the historical context in this way. I then ask, how could understanding the historical context give me some personal insight and encouragement and growth? And the answer is this. There are times in our life that we also feel in exile. There are times in our season, in our walk with Christ, where we feel that we're not connected. That there, because remember, in this time, the people of Israel, their spiritual connection was based on geography, that their, that their location, because that's where Israel had the temple. Right. And in the ancient world at the time, the idea was if a country conquered your country, it also mean that the, that God of the invading force has conquered the God of your country. And so in their mind, it's like, how could our God, the most powerful God, the God that, that, that defied Pharaoh in Exodus, how could he have lost? And so there's this, there was this faith quandary there. And, and, and what Jeremiah is saying is, I have not lost. God has not lost. This is all part of God's plan to correct. But ultimately, your fate is not Babylon. Your fate is returning to Israel. And for us who feel like we're going through exile, Jeremiah 29 11 should encourage us to let us know just like he has not given up on his plan of Israel that they did historically return home. We must also understand that our sense of exile will not be forever. It will not last that, that sooner than later, God will take us to the promised land. And that could mean within our time frame that we will have that mountaintop experience again. Why? Because God has a plan that makes you prosper and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And that ultimately what that means also is that in the time that we're living in as exiles, that when Christ comes back, that is the ultimate future for us, and we can be hopeful in that. So you see the harmony of personal devotion and intellectual reading in this way. All right, so I'd like to go to the fourth kind of reading, which is reading within community. 
there's a Jewish practice called Hagla. And what Hagla is, uh, students of Torah, students of Hebrew scripture will read together. And Hagla literally means chew. So they chew the text together. And what it would look like is the, they would read a passage. Then one person will provide the interpretation while the other listens and says, well, that, I don't know about that interpretation based off, you know, what rabbi, rabbi said this or rabbi said that. And so that was the practice of Hagla. And we must also read scripture within community. Individual reading of scripture is very important. Don't get me wrong. But I would dare say individual reading is important. You, we must consider community reading just as important, if not more, to make priority of reading scripture together above reading scripture by ourselves. Yes, it can be very edifying and encouraging when reading scripture as a community. But the reason why I suggest that we make it a priority over even individual reading is because it provides room for correction. We are sinful people. Genesis 3 showcases that. Romans talks about that. We are sinful people. And it is only by the covering of Christ that we are made whole and pure again, that we have access to the new kingdom, to God's kingdom. It is only because of the covering of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But the residue of sin is still there. Because of that, our personal devotion reading and even our intellectual reading could be wrong. It could also miss the mark. And so when we have reading within community, we must understand that we must allow ourselves the humility to read within community and expect openly for correction. 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 through 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes, scripture will encourage us. Yes, there's an emotional response when reading scripture. It edifies us, absolutely. But Paul here doesn't even add the emotional, uh, the emotional significance of scripture or the edification, uh, uh, response that you get from scripture. It's useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It helps us. Scripture should help us understand that we could get it wrong, that our interpretation of text might miss the mark. And so we must be open to rebuke. We must be open to correction so that we can train in righteousness. It'll be helpful to have a diverse community that you read with, where there's different educational levels, different, it, it could be multi-generational, multi-experience. There, I mean, some people who study the words in seminary, all those things so that 
we can have that environment to be a place of, yes, edification and encouragement, but also correction. So those are the four types of readings. And like I said, though we probably will lean on one over the others, we'll probably prefer one over the others, we must understand that all all four needs to be required, if you will, for us to have that spiritual discipline of reading. Because like I said, each one has their own benefit and purpose, but each one also has their own limitation. And we must use them in tandem to become the people of God that he expects us to be and create the heart soil within us to be good soil so that we can receive that word as the seed and it would grow and cultivate us and become more like Jesus Christ through gaining more knowledge of him. Let me end with prayer. Father, you spoke creation into existence. Thank you for bringing the word made flesh to save it. Holy Spirit, help us embark reading through scripture with every aspect of our being, whether it's meditative, personal devotion, intellectual, reading within community. May we grow in more knowledge of Jesus Christ and become the new creation that you call us to be. In the name of the incarnate word, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you are inspired as we journey together to reorient our lives in life-giving practices as demonstrated in God's word. 